So this morning, I, I want to preach around a topic that I think will be helpful for us. I want to title it, Hearing the Voice of God. And so I'm going to ask John if you can stick up uh, John 10 for us. We're going to go to verses 1 to 16. And um, we'll start off with this. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. And the sheep listen to his voice. And the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Maybe just at that point we can keep that up. Is that, that this is very important for us as Christ followers. You need to know that Jesus isn't some far distant, fictitious thing of our mind. There's, is, there's a relationship that we have with God because we see Jesus as God. And the thing about him is, is that when we speak, if you're a true Christ follower, you will hear his voice. You know that God has called you here, and, 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 and God will speak to you through people. Yeah, and you'll know that God has called you here, all right? And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he does. He speaks to us. And, and the thing about Jesus is he knows you by name. You're not some odd person who walks in. I love what Andrew spoke about a little while ago. He says, we know everybody by name. This is a family. This is where we give our lives to serve the kingdom of God. This is a family. And we all come with different scenarios in our lives, circumstances and, and things that have happened. But you're part of a family. And the most beautiful thing is that God says, I know you by name. Your being here this morning is an appointment with God. You're not here to please me or anybody else. It's an appointment with God, and He's speaking to you. Edward, my son, I'm speaking to you. Andre, my son, I'm speaking to you. Jean, my daughter, I'm speaking to you this morning. I want you to hear the voice of God for each one of you this morning, including myself. And He leads out. When He has brought us all, when He has brought out all His own, He goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Say voice. Verse 5. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. For me, this is important. We need to be mindful again. God brings you in. Don't get swayed by the things outside of our context in that. We need to be mindful. God brings you into a family. It's called the local church. And you've got to trust the voices that God puts here with you, that it's His voice moving through us. Don't get swayed by the, the next latest fad that there is out there, because that's the big challenge that we face today. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what He was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This is the story that we know that Jesus died for you and I, so that those who believed in him and trusted in him, that he could save them from their sin, 
would have eternal life with him. And that's where we will find good pasture with him. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf will attack the flock and scatters it. Let's just stop there. This morning in the prayer meeting, I was so moved. All my leaders were there this morning. Thank you to all of you leaders. That's why you can walk with these people. You can go with these people and know that they love the Lord. They're there to care for you. And hired hands don't care about the church. Hired hands don't care about the people. They care about what they can get from the people. These people, they love Jesus and they love you and they hear. And that's why you can walk with them and follow them and hear God's voice in and through them. Moving on. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and they shall be one, and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. So just stop there. What's important is God is speaking to you and I who are Christ followers. All right? But there's another group of people that God is speaking to. And perhaps this morning you are here and you have been visiting for a period of time. You've heard about Jesus. That doesn't mean that you have a relationship with him. The heart of God this morning, we heard about invitations being put out. The heart of God is that you and I would all come to know Christ and walk in a relationship with him. All right. And so this is the beauty of church. We are here to equip you, to train you, to do the work of the ministry. But at the same time, bringing your family and your unsafe friends and colleagues and that into this place, which shouldn't just happen on a Sunday morning. People should be getting saved in your homes and in the workplace and on a common group night. These are the moments that we're equipping because Jesus wants all to respond to him. And if you are visiting here for the first time, Welcome. If you're not yet saved, I want to say to you, you might know about Jesus. That doesn't make you a Christian. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you acknowledge your need for Jesus because you're broken. There's sin in your life. You know what your life is like, but he's the only one who can restore you and save you. And the cry of his heart is, receive me this morning. So I'm putting that out because I'm preparing your hearts for later on to respond to this message. So with that... It's a very powerful scripture. The voice of God is speaking to us and the sheep know him. And our biggest challenge today for many of us is there are so many voices coming at us. I mean, if you think about it, we are bombarded with WhatsApp, with Facebook, with uh, Instagram, and with television. And, and the, the media has just gone berserk. I, I even find more and more I'm starting to less read the news because it is just so negative. And there are just so many problems in the world. And in some cases, it's just trying to create fear in people. And what happens is we are being led and governed by the things of the world rather than hearing the voice of God and actually walking out what God is telling us to do. You as a Christ follower cannot live like the standards of the world. We cannot walk and do things like the standards of the world. We've got to do what God's word teaches us. And that's the cry this morning. And it's very interesting when Andrew and Liz East were here a few weeks ago, probably about three, four weeks ago. Something that he said in a preach, it really has stuck with me, and that's why I started to prepare this, was that he said, God is speaking all the time. And the thing is, for many of us, 
we are missing what God is saying because we, we, we have just so much going on in our hearts and minds. Some of you right now are worrying about what's actually going to happen at lunch today. Some of you are worrying about what about work tomorrow? Will I have a job by the end of next week? Um, will the company still be around? There is so much going on in our hearts and our minds. The problem is we get this, and we hear a voice, and, and God is wanting to fine-tune things so that you can hear his voice, so that you and I can be a hope to those that are struggling wherever we find ourselves. That's the heart of God. And so the word of God promises that God will speak to us, and he will lead and guide us. We sang that. He will restore us. He will heal us. So those of you making notes, I haven't given the scripture. I've got scriptures that are given at the back, but I'm going to read some of them to you. Psalm 23.3 says, He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Psalm 32.8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. So the promises of God is that he's saying, I will care for you. I will look out for you. So this morning, I want to highlight a few areas where I believe God speaks to us and how he speaks to us. And I hope this will be helpful for some of you this morning. So some of the ways that God speaks, firstly, is through the Bible. 119.105 says, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. You know, um, the, the, the Bible pretty much gives us all that we need to live this life. I think the, the, the challenge for many of us is that, that if I had to ask the question, how many of you have read your Bible entirely from one end to the other, not necessarily systematically, how many of you could put up your hand and say, I've read the Bible in totality? I want to tell you something. I've sat with guys that lead big churches and they pastor big churches that never read the Bible once in its entirety. And the sad thing is, they can get the gathering. They can get the people. And that's one of the things that I've enjoyed about our Josh Jen story. And Andrew will tell you, Josh Jen is a movement. It has a name. But it's a group of people that love the Lord, love His Word, and try to live as close to the Bible as what we see. That's what it's about. But it's a people as well that love his word, and, and we want to know his word, and we want to obey his word. That is what we should be doing as, as, as Christ followers. So when we read his word, he gives us all that we need to live this life, what we may and shouldn't be doing, and what he actually expects of us. The problem for many of us, we, we sit around the briar, and we hear this oak say that, and this person say that, and that's what we feed off, rather than getting into the word ourselves. And, you know, when we look at the Bible, we never really need to seek guidance on what God already has said in His Word. So, in other words, what does the Bible say about being married? What does the Bible say about using bad language, being yoked with an unbeliever? What does the Bible say about tithing? Our stewardship moments are moments where we want to teach you to tithe, to give financially. And I want to honor the church here this morning and say thank you for those who have faithfully been obedient in our giving. Our giving is not to enrich me. I have no control over the finances. There's a team that manages the finances. And let me tell you something. Josh Jen and the finances that are coming in is reaching the nations. The gospel is going to the four corners of the earth. We've got Andrew going to Zambia. We had a young guy. Um, uh, what's Mariska's uh, husband? Um, uh, Hannes. 
was, was recently now uh, traveling in Australia, New Zealand, and the Philippines. Young men. There's, the gospel's got to go to the nations. The United States is busy breaking open for us. And that's why we give. And part of our giving is because God also wants to deal with our innate selfishness. Do we trust him enough to say, Lord, you say a minimum of a tenth. God calls us to be generous with our finances. That means we go over and beyond. But God says, I want you to trust me with your finances. One tenth of that you give to me. The rest is yours. And, and you live with that. And we need to learn as Christ followers to live in that space because the gospel needs to advance. Part and parcel of our giving is pastors have been employed to help shepherd and care for God's people. We don't need to argue. That's what the Bible teaches us. What God requires is us for us to be obedient with what his word says. So the big thing is we need to saturate our minds with God's word. And it's the very thing that will help us overcome the challenges that we are facing in today's world. Because you know how Satan gets to you in your mind. He can't read your mind, but he will fill your mind with stuff. And I want to tell you something. I learned this while I was in Bali. I had one or two challenges that I was personally facing. You can go anywhere in the world and think you can run away from it. But I promise you, in Bali, I still had the same challenge in my head. And I had to fight that thing off. And I can tell you right now, I believe I fought it off. Because you've got to come back to God's word around the truth and what his word says around that. We need to use the word of God to fight off the lies and the deception of the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You need to know God's word. And so with that, we need to renew our minds as Romans 12, 2 says. So what I want to do from a practical perspective, I'm going to send out a Bible uh, it's a, the Gospel Coalition Bible Reading Plan. Read your Bible in a year. It's broken up in weeks. And the nice thing about it, it's you, you, you can start this thing. And I want to say to you, if you miss a day or two, you can always catch up. But it's one of those things where it helps you just keep structure to go through different parts of the Bible. And I want to ask you as a church, will you commit yourself to reading God's Word? Try and read it in the next year to a year and a half as you live out your journey. What I did was I just read the Bible at one point. And I didn't try and fathom out sermons or anything like it. And I promise you, God changed my heart. I, I'm saying, I promise you, because God meets with you when you spend time in his word. All right. Are we good with that? All right. So the next area that God speaks to us is through his Holy Spirit. John 16, 13, if you can put that up for us, please. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Romans 8.14, for those making notes, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. We need to be a people that are led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it or a force. He speaks to us. And we need to be open to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. And he will never let you go into something that is contrary to what the Word of God says. He never take you into a place that contradicts the Word of God. He always brings us into truth. And so we as a people need to be open. We are a Word-based people. We are a Spirit-based people. Andrew wonderfully touched on this on Friday. He says, but we don't become so Spirit-led that we don't prepare for what we do here on a Sunday morning. We come prepared because, because even this preach, I'd been putting this together before we went away. Uh, it was spirit-led. 
And I believe God at the right season wants this for us, particularly I think now as we're going in towards the end of the year. Be led by the Holy Spirit. What is the Spirit of God saying? So the Holy Spirit moves through prophetic voices. We, we heard that voice coming up this morning singing that song. Well done. Well done for being brave. I love it. That's what we want to see. But the, the Word of God is fill my, fill my cup. The, cry out to God. Lord, fill my cup to overflowing. But that fill my cup is not so that I can feel good. He's saying I'm filling up your cup to refresh you so that you can refresh others and be a blessing wherever you go. That's the heart of God. The, the empowering of the Holy Spirit is not for you. The empowering of the Holy Spirit is so that God can move in you and through you to reach a broken world. So if we grab this thing today, what should happen is next week we should be double our size because all of us would be reaching out to those friends that are lost and broken that need to hear the gospel. So the prophetic voices God speaks to us with in Acts 13, 1, 2. Verses 1 to 2, those making notes. It says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mannion, if you've got a boy coming along, just call him Mannion, who had brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So in a meeting, when we are together like this, the leaders are always talking. What is God saying? Hey, Rudy, what are you sensing? What are you feeling? Let's go to the wives. And, and, and when we get other guys coming in, we're asking the question, what, are, what do you believe God is saying? And we want to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and how he wants to lead and direct our meetings. What is God doing in our meetings? And then, very importantly, when a prophetic word is brought like it has been this morning, don't treat prophecy with contempt. Hear God speaking the words. Because that word could be for one person here. It could be for the whole congregation. But when we get up and go, oh no, bless the Lord, Gunther's got up again. And now he's bringing the word, and he did that last week and the week before. Hey, Mark, my moch. No, no. I, well done, Gunther, for getting up. Well done, Laura, for getting up. Well done, Kanya, for getting up. Because people love the Lord, and we want to hear God. Don't be moved by the person. Hear what God is saying through the person. What is very important is that we move as a, as a people to be obedient to what God is teaching us. That's very important. Are you guys with me? All right. The next thing is he moves through the gifts of the Spirit, a prophetic word we've already touched on. Maybe through tongues. That's where we've had the likes of a Eugenie come and bring a tongue. And you're all listening and you're going, but say, say, what's she saying? And so what happens is that's a gift. God can bring that. We see it biblically. It's a sign of a healthy church when we're moving in all of these areas. So those of you that are uncomfortable, it's actually in the Bible. Go read your Bible, and you'll see how God moves. So the tongue comes, and what happens is we trust for an interpretation of that tongue, and it would never contradict. And the most interesting thing has happened here when, those, when that tongue has come. It's often been the worship guys that have picked up on it. It's amazing how God has worked with that. So just be open that God can speak a tongue which sounds really weird, but then interpretations come with it. God can give us words of knowledge or wisdom through the gifts um, of, of the Holy Spirit. Then there's the audible voice. Listen to this one. In 1 Kings 19 verses 12 to 13, we'll put it up there. After the earthquake came, a fire 
but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled up his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know what the, the big thing is for many of us? We, I often, when I speak to folk, they'll, they'll say, not on your dead body will I do this unless I hear the Lord say, boom. Have you ever considered the whisper of God? Have you ever considered that God doesn't want to be in your face, shouting at your face? Have you ever considered that a voice would come and God would speak to you? And he would speak in a way that it would be a gentle whisper wanting to lead you and guide you and direct you into all that he has planned and purposed for you. The problem is, some of us have set our hearts and minds on hearing the loud voice when actually God is whispering. He's trying to get your attention. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. If we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, we're in tune with God, we should be able to hear what God is saying to us, and He will always lead us into truth. Then there's the inner voice that we get. Those are the nudgings and promptings of God, or something that pops up in your imagination, how God can speak to you. Then there are visions that God gives us. And throughout the Bible, there are plenty of examples of visions um, and this is where the Holy Spirit flashes pictures into our minds. One of the classics, and I was actually reading my Bible reading plan yesterday. In Acts 7, this is about a guy called Stephen who addresses the Israelites. He brings truth about how they sacrificed Jesus, and he calls them stiff-necked. And they really got upset with him, and then Stephen got stoned. And I remind you again, this was not on marijuana. This was on rocks, because they were so unhappy with him, because he spoke the truth that they started to throw rocks at him to kill him. And as he was busy dying, Saul stood there watching. And what happened was he looked up to heaven, and the Bible says, and he saw Jesus waiting for him. And then he said to Jesus, today I want you to receive my spirit. And then before he dies, he says, and Lord, forgive them because they know not what they're doing. Very similar to what happened on the cross with Jesus. So there he saw Jesus. And when he told those people that, they got even more angry. And then after that, he died. Another story is in Acts 10 with Cornelius and Simon Peter. Simon Peter was a devout Jew who got saved, and the Jews and the Gentiles didn't mix. Cornelius was a Roman soldier. So what happens is God actually deals with Simon Peter in a trance. With Cornelius, he deals with him in a vision. And he tells Cornelius, you need to go and fetch Simon Peter. Simon Peter has an encounter with God, and God prepares him. And then what happens is when Cornelius' people arrive, he is called to go to Cornelius' house. Why? Because he was going to go and preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Because Cornelius was a good man. He was a religious man. He loved God. He gave to the poor, like many of us do in Durbanville and the surrounds. And I'm going to put it out there. For many of us, we have a religious mindset. We do the right stuff. But Cornelius didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And that is why the good news needed to go to him. And the good news was preached into Cornelius' home that he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And his whole family and those that were part of his household got saved. 
So all the good works would have amounted to nothing. He needed a relationship with Jesus. And I'm imploring you this morning. There are some of us that are sitting here today. You know about Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with him. And God is calling you into a relationship with him. Prepare your hearts and minds. The other area is dreams in Joel 2.28. And we know that the Bible says that God will pour out his spirit. And he says, and our, our young men will dream dreams. And I think it's our young men will dream dreams. The old men will dream dreams. And, and the others will get visions. I'm just paraphrasing you this morning. But because where I'm going with this is, uh, can, you, can you check it out for me? Joel 2.28. Please. I want to get that right this morning. The old men will dream dreams, eh? There we go. Thank you very much. So, so we'll have dreams, and that's when the, the Spirit of God gets poured out on us. And some of you do dream, but the Bible is full of this. There's a guy called King Abimelech. He was warned in a dream that Sarah was Abraham's wife. And what happened was God spoke to him in a dream, and he said to him, If you or any of your men touch that girl, I will kill you. That's hectic. And that happened twice. The other story is um, with Joseph. He knew that he could return back to Nazareth with Mary because God spoke to him in a dream. And so for some of you, God will speak to you in a dream. Again, it will never contradict what we see in the Word of God. As I mentioned earlier on, there's also trances. Acts 10.10, Peter fell into a trance. It's one of the areas that it's spoken of. Then, as we start to descend here, God can speak to you and I through circumstances and experiences. And we know the story of Joseph, who got sold into slavery by his brothers. Joseph wasn't exactly the wisest of guys as a young man, because he sat around the dinner table antagonizing his older brothers, telling them about a dream that God had given him, another dream. And then what happened was that they were all going to be bowing down to him. And of course, needless to say, you all have siblings so if you're the youngest of the lot and you're telling your older brother and sister that they're going to be bowing down to you one day, needless to say, you probably catch the club somewhere along the line. And this is exactly what happened to Joseph. So what happened was Joseph gets sold into slavery and, and what happens is he becomes part of Potiphar's house and eventually Joseph is accused of rape, he's put in jail. So he really had a hectic story. The dream that was given of what God's plan was going to be for him did not cover all the details from the time that the dream happened until it actually outworked itself. I think if Joseph knew what was going to happen to him, he would have run a proverbial mile. All right? But the point is that God took him through a journey, and he eventually um, rescued a whole nation um, because God works all things to the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So no matter what the circumstances were of Joseph's life, no matter what the circumstances were of your own life, God can work all things to the good of those that love him. And so what happens is God can speak to you through your life circumstances. He can guide you through your life circumstances. They become teachable moments. There are questions we've got to ask. What is God saying to me? What can I learn from the situation so that, so that we can move forward in the things of God? So I want to share a couple of stories here. My own life. When we were leading Brackenfell, we had a young guy that uh, we played golf, and he played with a 32 handicap, and I played off a 13, and we were playing in a competition at Kales River. I got so badly beaten by this guy that I want to tell you something. On the outside, my face was smiling, but my heart was so fraught on the inside that when I walked off the golf course, I said to the guys, my mates, I said, whatever you do, 
for the next year, please don't call me to play golf again. And they still laughed at me, and I said to them, now I'm going home to kick the dog that I don't have, because I was really miff, all right? But literally for a year, I didn't play golf. And then what happened was, I, as the year came to an end, I felt something needed to shift. So what I did was, I went to go and see a sports psychologist, because God speaks to me through sport. I know that he does that. So it's one of the areas that God uses something that I'm passionate about, and he will use illustrations from that to speak to me. And funny enough, it always just seems to line up with with the word. But what was interesting is, as I sat with this guy, he's actually at the Sports Science Institute. And for those of you who might be predating you, he happened to be the lead singer and guitarist of a group called Flat Stanley. I don't know if you ever remember that on the radio. Anyway, so I'm sitting across the table from him. I said, look, I'm a pastor. I said, my spiritual journey, you don't need to touch. I need to get my head right on something, yeah? I said, normally I'm on that side of the table, so I'm now really humbling myself, and I need you to speak to me. Cut a long story short. After the second session, he said to me, Ange, you know what your biggest problem is? He says, you want to control the uncontrollables. And he used the golf game as an explanation, saying, how, how often do you train? How do you eat? What's your sleep patterns like, et cetera, et cetera. And we listed all of that. Then he asked the question, and he said, and um, when your opposition arrive to play the game, uh, can you handle how they feel? Can you determine how well they're going to hit? Can you place the pins? Can you um, control what happens with the wind, et cetera, et cetera? And the list went on. And that's how he broke it. And he said to me, your problem is you want to control the uncontrollables. And as he said that, I felt the Lord take this weight off my shoulders. And then I felt the Lord say to me, and that's the problem with you, because you're trying to control the uncontrollables in the church. And immediately I felt the Lord say to me, you can't control people's choices to pitch on a Sunday. You can't control people's choices to come to Com Group on a Wednesday. You can't control people's choices, whether or not they will tithe. You cannot control people's choices and decisions, whether or not they will invite their friends or family to the meetings. What you can control is what you bring. What you prepare and what you bring. The big thing is what you do with what you heard is between you and the Lord now. This is weighty. This is weighty for us as a church because we need to realize this is how God speaks to us. And we are here equipping you and training you to do the work of the ministry. If we love Jesus, we will obey him and do what he's called us to do. So, my last two stories. Swimming with the turtles in Bali. What an amazing experience. It's a totally different world. I think the turtle was trying to get away from me because it saw this, there was a whale in the water. But... Um, what a special moment. And the thing is, as we were under the water, I couldn't go deep because I've got a, a grommet in my ear. So I had earplugs in, so I could only go a certain level. But it, the Lord was kind enough that there was rocks where the turtle could come up. I could touch it. But as this turtle was swimming, it's the most beautiful thing. You know, some people want to swim with dolphins and that. But for me, this was like, this was like a different world. And then I felt the Lord speak to me. And he says, you know, ants, in Matthew 6, you know, like the birds, he says, they don't worry about anything. He says, this turtle, he's just swimming. He'll forage, he'll swim with the tide, the tide will come against him, and he just glides through the water. And he says, I want you to, I want you to live your life like this turtle. Just, just glide, be gracious, don't stress, just enjoy the moment. 
enjoy your moment while you're swimming with the turtle. Enjoy every day because tomorrow it's not given. And then the second one was going down the Whitewater Rapids, which I think is more for us as a church. We were sitting on these, um, on these boats, and what happened was the, the guide would say to us, um, he would say to us, right, um, row. And when everybody rowed, he says, stop, and everybody put your oar in. And then what happens is uh, we would go through all the rocks that were there. And unbeknown to me, um, I only picked it up a little later on. What he was doing is he was getting us to get momentum on, on, on this little boat. And then when we put our oars up, what he was doing behind the scenes, he was actually steering the boat with his oar through the rapids and through the rocks. And he's been doing this for 20 years, so he knows his stuff. And then I felt the Lord say to me, and just like that guide is leading you and guiding you and protecting you and caring for you, so I'm leading you and guiding you and protecting you and caring for you as individuals, but also as a church. See, God can use your experiences. So all of us have different scenarios. What is God saying to you? What is God wanting you to learn? And as I start to wrap up here now, God can speak to you through people. One of the reasons why we encourage our gatherings like this, coming together, hanging out together, is that somebody here could say something that could change your life because God could be working through them. You could be used by God to change someone else's life here this morning. Just hanging Spending time, worshiping together, having a cup of coffee, sitting and having a dinner in a calm group, whatever that might look like, God can use you to radically transform and change someone else's life. That's why there's the preaching and teaching of the word. God moves through people to bring his truths. Do you know that God can move in such a way that he can heal your marriage? He just says one thing through somebody, and you could walk out here totally free this morning. He can, he, can, he can heal your family. He can heal emotional and mental issues by just hanging with God's people. And we can learn from others. So let me show you, and I'll prove the illustration to you. So you would have noticed on our status picks that we did a little bit of quad biking. And so what happened was the whole group of us go out, and you've got to ride in a line behind each other. And the first half of the quad biking was pretty straightforward and standard. It was like, I thought, well, if the second half is going to be like, this would be interesting because this was a lot of money for this. But it was nice. It was preparing us. But when we got to the second half of that quad bike ride, we ended up going down hills that really, I'm, I, I, I'm not joking, when I parked behind Lee and... I looked at this hill, and we do a bit of mountain biking in that. And I know what Lee likes to do and doesn't like to do. I looked at this, and I went, dear Lord, how is she going to cope with this? I haven't told this to Lee. Because you got this big bike. you got the brakes, which you're going to hold on to. And, and it's serious downhill, and then it's switchbacks as well. And I'm thinking, how are we going to do this? And I'll tell you why she did it and how she was able to do it. Because she saw another lady in front of her do it. And she saw another lady in front of her do it. And another lady in front of her do it. And then she saw a youngster in front of her doing it. And you know what? She said, if they can do it, I can do it. And that's how God works with us. We, we're going to learn to have experiences and do things together. And we're going to learn from one another. I want to say to you, if you think that you can't learn anything from anybody else here, please get on your knees before God and say to him, give me a teachable heart. We all learn from one another. And she was able to do that. And then 
God speaks through his leaders. If we can put up Hebrews 13, verses 17, please. Listen to the word here. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that will be of no advantage to you. With that being up there, I want to say to you, your God has put leaders here for a reason. You know, uh, we've got to be very careful that if we think, oh, who's this guy? You know, he's just a common group leader. I want to say to you, no, they're not just a common group leader. They've been handpicked, we believe, by God to care for you and to look after you. And there are many of you that God is still calling into this area because he needs people to care and love his people. And so our hearts are to help you become the best version of who you are in the things of God. You know, one of my things that I've said to the leaders in a meeting on Thursday night, one of my greatest things is, if some of you can run further than us, it will be our greatest joy. Our hearts are to set every single one of you up for success in the things of God and to see you flourish and grow in the things of God. You know, if you need to make big life decisions, please come and see your leaders. If you come to me and say to me, I've made a decision to do X, Y, and Z, what are your thoughts? I will say to you, I have no thoughts because you've made a decision. But for some of us, we need to make big decisions on our lives. We might not have the answer, but the Bible says, for lack of counsel, many nations fall. You get perspective. You trust the wisdom that God will give that person at that given time. We can't tell you what to do, but we can give you perspective on things so that you can make an informed decision. And often with that, a leader will sit with you and say, what has God said to you? Have you got scripture to possibly back that up? Who else have you sought guidance and counsel from? Because often what happens is we don't want to go to the leaders because some of us know that they'll tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear. All right. So please use your leaders. And then Philippians 4 verses 9 says the following. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, this is Paul writing, or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace be, will be with you. Church, this morning, when we get up and we preach, you know, I'm, I'm often reminded of the late Billy Graham. Often people would come to him and say, that was a great preach. Now, for me, I'm trusting this was a preach that was helpful and encouraging to you as the body. But I loved what Billy Graham used to say. He says, you know what, thank you so much for your encouragement. He says, but what is more important to me is what are you going to do with what you've heard? Because the problem for many of us, we, we, we come on a Sunday morning, we hear the, the preachers, we hear the word of God, but when we walk out the door, we have forgotten what has been said today. What is God asking you to do? What does he want you to apply in your own life? And how does he want you to use that in your areas of influence? That's very important. And then God can speak through our parents in Ephesians 6. For those who have children, children, obey your parents. So you bring the truth to your children and you equip them in the things of the, of the Lord. Can I say to the parents, your preparation of your children spiritually is at home, not here on a Sunday morning. This is part and parcel of it. We use these moments to equip them, but you prepare your kids at home. And then the last two is that just using common sense. We don't need to pray about paying taxes supporting our families, or whether or not we should exercise, or what should I have for dinner tonight? Just use common sense in those things. You know, some, some people might say, you know, I need to pray and ask God, is this healthy for me? You know what? McDonald's isn't healthy for you, but occasionally McDonald's is okay. Just use common sense at the best of times. And then the last one is through peace in our hearts. When in doubt, bail out. 
If we don't have a sense of peace going forward, it's probably best to hold off on something. So, practically, just make time to hear God's voice. That means that we've got to spend time with God. What is your quiet times looking like at the moment? We rush off and we give ourselves to eight hours of work in a day. We will come home and we want family time and we want TV time and that. But have we ever made time just to spend time with God and His Word and just hearing His voice for us? There needs to be no distractions. You need to know that God speaks to you and I because we are His children. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants the best for us and He wants us to know His will. And then, as I land here, God speaks to those that are not yet saved, that are part of our meeting, and those of you that are on the outskirts. This morning, I'm, I'm hoping that somehow you would hear the voice of God beckoning you and calling you to make a decision for Jesus, His Son, to save you from yourself. But I also want those that are not yet saved to hear the voice of God where you've been sitting on the outskirts. God has been calling you to more and saying, I want you to move deeper into the things of God. So with that, John 3.16 says the following. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For those of you this morning that are sitting here that are not yet saved, I want to give you the opportunity to receive the one that can rescue you from yourself. You see, last week, while we were in Bali, I had a 70-year-old gentleman that went out riding with my riding group. And while he was riding, had a heart attack and crashed and died. I've ridden a few times with the man. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. These moments are important. These moments are important because for those of you who are not yet saved, God is calling you because you know what happens. That man, I don't know if he knew the Lord, but what I can tell you, there is no second chance that once your breath ends this side of eternity, if you are not right with the Lord, you need to know the Bible says we will be separated from God. It's not Ant's opinion. It's not my thoughts. It's what the Bible teaches. So this morning, I'm going to ask you if you can just bow your heads. And I'm pleading with you this morning, and I'm asking you this morning, if you've been visiting here for a period of time, there's a question I want to ask you. If you were to stop breathing now and you were to die and leave this planet, do you have any surety in your heart that you will be saved and that you will be with the Father in heaven? And if you cannot say emphatically yes, this invitation is to you this morning to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And with eyes bowed, I'm going to ask, is there anybody here perhaps this morning that says, I realize that I don't have a relationship with Jesus and I need him and I need to receive Jesus this morning. Will you just raise your hand? We want to just pray with you. Is there anybody here this morning? Lastly, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says the following. You can lift your heads. If my people who are called by my name hear the voice of God will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This morning, I just feel as a people, as we're running into the end of the year, 
part and parcel as we're relying on ourselves, our own strength, is there perhaps this morning a moment where we've got to say, Lord, I've been hearing your voice, but I've not responded accordingly. I've been doing things my way. This morning, I want to humble myself before you. You know that some of us are sick because God allows these things to happen in our lives. Some of us are sick and we'll face these things because he gets our attention through this. And this becomes a moment where we can actually say, God, I want to humble myself before you. I want to I ask you, Lord, this is what your word says. Can I take you at your word and trust you, God, to heal and restore my life this morning? But he says, in order for that to happen, you need to humble yourself. So I'm going to ask you this morning, if you are in a space where you realize you've been living for yourself, maybe you've ignored the voice of God, I want you to stand, and I want, to, as part of our standing, and I'm standing, is saying, Lord, I'm standing because I'm humbling myself before you, and I'm trusting your word to heal and restore me this morning, and then I'll pray for us this morning. I'm standing. Is there anybody else? Maybe, maybe you're caught up in sin. Maybe you've been caught up in pornography. Maybe you've been caught up in alcohol. Maybe there's an addiction on your life. And you would be so embarrassed if anybody here knew about it, but you know God sees it. I believe God wants to set people free this morning in this area. I believe for the supernatural in our meetings. I'm going to ask you, if you've battled any of those things that I've mentioned, that you would go to your calm group leader and say, I've repented of that this morning. And I need your help. Please pray with me. So let's bow our heads. Father, this morning, we thank you for this time. Lord, we want to be a people that hear your voice. We want to be a people that will respond to your voice. Lord, nothing is hidden from you. Lord, we want to be a, a, a people, Lord, that, that will be humble because that's what your word teaches us, Lord. Realizing, Lord, that we, we are so depraved, we are so in need of you, God, to live this life and to do that which you've called us to. Lord, will you help us, please? Father, as we come before you, we want to ask you to forgive us, Lord, for any sin that we knowingly have committed against you this week, and maybe even against others. Lord, maybe there's even unrealized sin. Lord, this morning we come, we say, God, have mercy on us. Please forgive us. Because this morning, Lord, we just want to respond to your word, where your word says that if we will humble ourselves before you, and we seek you, Lord, that you will come and heal our land. I believe that's healing our lives, Lord, restoring our lives, all areas of our lives, restoring families, restoring finances, healing those that are sick. Father, we break that over us now in the name of Jesus. I call out to you, Lord, and I say, God, move powerfully over this body. Lord, that people will testify of your goodness and your kindness and your love and your mercy. We receive that now. We thank you that by faith in you this morning, Lord, that we, that we can go from this place knowing that you have heard our prayers because we've heard you this morning and we've just responded accordingly. And with that, Lord, I pray as we break now, would you be with us in our time of fellowship? Would you be with us as we go from this place to our areas of influence where we're having lunches and get-togethers? Will you be with us in the week as we go to work? Will you be with those that are needing work, Lord? Will you open up doors for them? Lord, those that are battling with health, going to hospitals, those that are in hospital, we pray in the name of Jesus for your healing to come upon these folk, Lord. 
And we're trusting for you to move powerfully. And then, Lord, I'm going to ask you right now, would you move powerfully over every man and every woman and every family represented here today? Lord, where there is fatigue, we break it now in the name of Jesus. And we say, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, will you come and let life rejuvenate us. Lord, that we can run into the end of this year with a zeal and a, and, a, and a spontaneity like we've never known before, that people will think that we're on something really weird. But all of this is the power of God moving in us. So we pray this now. We ask, Lord, that you move powerfully over us now. And we thank you for this. And all of God's people said, Amen. Bless you guys. Bless you guys.